Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 217. And I've been gone for a couple weeks because, as I think I told in the last uh, couple of podcasts, I moved out of my place now um, and out of the big dog training property and the big dog training life and world for the time being. And living kind of, I'm living really more in the Denver metro area in the city. Uh, and if so, everything's going to keep going except for me on a, I'm not having to clean kennels anymore or a, a train on a daily basis. So we're just going to go into this slightly different chapter for the time being, but I'm still going to be doing all the things that I, that the podcasts and, and all of that. So it's interesting because I'm in the city now and I won't stand this too long. So all the things that I've always decried for so long, you know, I can't stand expand leashes. That's one of the worst things for training a dog that there is, or frankly, the harnesses too. Well, that's all that I now have with my little wiener dog. She's on an expando leash. Oh, my client saw it. You just give, they were laughing so hard because when you're walking a dog in the parks and the areas and stuff, you have to have them on a leash and you have to, you know, so, She's very busy hunting, which is another problem because there's rabbits and squirrels everywhere. Beautiful area, lakes and parks and all that stuff. And just rabbits everywhere. And they're not afraid at all of dogs. And I have one that's trying to kill all of them that has spent all of her time off leash hunting them, you know, to get her field champion title. And so she's out there going for death here. And the rabbits just sit there looking at her till she gets real close. And so it's, I have to be careful because people would be licking and thinking I have this out of control dog. I kind of do. So she's having to learn that you walk around and you don't try to kill things. And you don't chase everything that you see. And then there's a, a lake very close to where we live. So we walk around that and there's ducks and geese all over it. These guys are not afraid of anybody or anything. They're not afraid at all. So Elsie has always run the geese off the pond all the time. I mean, like hundreds and hundreds of geese she'll run off the pond. So here's these geese. Well, she's ready to go take care of it, get them out of there for everybody. And then there's ducks too. Well, you know, all ducks are supposed to be shot for her. And so I'm having to teach her that, uh, no, these are not game. They're just things. And we just walk by them like they're nothing. So it's a huge learning experience for her. Uh, it really is. And then there's pit bulls everywhere. So that's different too. Where I, the world I live in, there's not really very many pit bulls. So um, it's just, a, it's very different and interesting. I try not to talk about it too much, but it's funny. The people are watching me probably thinking I need a lot of help learning how to handle my dog. I, I bet they do. So anyway. That's kind of the life that we're in now. The topic I want to talk about today, uh, kind of relevant to everything, is what what do you do uh, in the off-season for all of us that train, compete, just sort of take our dog thing seriously? You know, and we have long sunlit days, a lot of hours. Early in the morning we can do things, and at the end of the day we can do things. So now the days are very, very short. What I think it's next month, shortest shortest day of the year. So what can we do to keep, maintain what we've been working on all spring, summer, and fall for those who compete 
you know, you put a lot into it. And if you had your dog with a trainer and they'd come home to hunt or whether you've just done all the work yourself and, and it's hunting season or just off season, you know, what can you do? And you can do a lot of things. What you, one of the things that you really want to be aware of, and I don't care what your dog does. I don't care if it's a pointing lab or a, you know, a, a, uh, a healer or it's a, a German short hair, it doesn't matter. It's when these dogs have this extreme purpose and you work on it a whole bunch and then you either stop working on it or you change your standards towards the work. And those are things that become problematic. So let's just go with you have some sort of competitive dog or dog that you've been training real hard to do stuff and now the days are shorter so you can't go after work and spend an hour and a half working on out in the field or on the pond or doing whatever you're doing. You, you don't have that anymore. How do you get through this season as optimally as possible? So the first thing I would offer to you is to look at things a little more globally. Don't just look at it like, what am I going to do after work? You know, I don't have before work because it's just dark. I drive to, to work dark in the morning. It, it's not just that. It's um, not just those prior training hours, but it's all the hours of the dog's day. It may, your mind might be on other things entirely, but that dog is always that dog. And that dog is always, as I've always said, it's always being trained all the time. It just may not be something that you want. So you want to make sure that the lifestyle of the dog lends itself to the ultimate purpose of this dog. Very often, what this means for all of us is that there are um, lines in the sand. There are certain behavioral things. One of the things I would hope is the first time you say something, that the dog needs to do it. If it's go lay on your rug, if it's go get in your crate, if it's come here, bring me one of your toys that I, I'm going to throw for you, that the first time you say it, the dog has to do it. Believe it or not, that's a really big deal particularly for these dogs that are trained to a fairly sophisticated level. If you have a double standard, like, all right, when people are around or looking and we're out in the field, I need you to look real trained and real responsive to me. But when we're not or there's nobody around, I don't really care. That's, that is not fair to a dog. A dog is fairly simple-minded compared to all of us. And so you can't really, you can't really um, expect them to Hold on one second. I got it. There we go. It, it, they're, they're more simple-minded, so they can't. They need to understand things clearly and stay with them that way. So remember that. In all fairness to these dogs, what you want to do is make sure that, that you're consistent in what your expectations are and what your treatment of them is. That you are consistent. So first time you say something, it needs to count. When you say something to the dogs, have it be in a very normal tone of voice because it's what you intend that matters, not your decibel level. So keep that going here as well. Use opportunities in daily life things to sort of keep a little bit of that training edge going. For example, and I'm just making up stuff as we go here, but for example, you know when they go through the door into the garage because you're going to go somewhere, they got to sit down. And you have to say, all right, and let them back through the garage. Do things like that. Um, it just keeps them thinking. It keeps them focused. And it keeps them interacting with you in a way that's, you know, that you've been working on them all this past year. 
You can do a lot of things like that. You can, when you go take them outside um, for a walk, you know, whether you have the field to go into easily or whether you're doing like I do and you're walking through the park where there's a lot of other people, use that as an opportunity to work on a little bit of obedience, particularly in the presence of other more interesting things, distractions and things like that. You can always do that to just keep your dog thinking about responding and being aware that you are the colonel, not them. A lot of ways that you can do that. A lot of things. You can do that with other members of the family. You know, you can have have the family out and they have to listen to you or then they switch over to, you know, Pete and then they do things for Pete. So that's a kind of important thing. Now, in terms of for our hunting dogs, and I, I stress this every single year and I'm just going to stress it again. Do not drop your standard out hunting. Now I say that and I say that to my very best clients and still, <laughs> they still do it because it's so much more fun and more cool to just kind of turn your dog loose and have a good time. Because after all, you've worked so hard, you spent a lot of money doing all this. So now what? You know, now let's just go out and enjoy ourselves. And when you do that and when you drop the standard, then it makes things very difficult if you ever intend on going back to what you did before. It's no different than if you trained, uh, you know, for, you trained for, I'll just use running. You know, you were doing 5Ks and 10Ks and you got where you could really whip out some, some 7, 15 miles and you could do it really well and you could place well and you were in very fit and then you just quit training and hardly, you know, you didn't, and then you ate pizza all the time and all kinds of French fries and stuff. And then all of a sudden everybody goes, Hey, we got a big race. We want to go to in Florida. You want to come with us? You know, it's going to be real hard for you. So that kind of thing <laughs> is with these dogs. You know, if you go hunting and they don't have to stay in gun range anymore, or they don't have to sit still, or they don't have to be quiet, or they can just break on the gun regardless of what you're doing because, you know, what's the difference? It's okay now. When you teach them that stuff and then you go back to run events, you go back to run, you know, your AKC Senior Hunter, Master Hunter, you're started, you're finished, you, you want to go to the Triple Crown, but your dog has always been allowed to, you know, shoot, go flush the bird, go on the gun. Now you're going to have to backtrack and say, okay, all that stuff I let you do, it doesn't count anymore. There are dogs you can do that with, and there are dogs you cannot, or it's very, very difficult. And then you're always hanging on by a thread, hoping that, that you trained hard enough and reminded them hard enough that they're going to do the right thing in competition. So that's a real, that's just real important right there. Okay, one of the other things that I'm going to say is when you're not, you know, with your trainer or with your training group or with people, you know, that have, that kind of push you and educate you. And hopefully everyone who's training seriously trains around someone who is, knows more than they do. And I mean, actually really does know, not just act like it. Somebody that knows a lot, has a, has a lot of experience, can be very useful. You always want to be in the presence of people that are a little better than you, if you can so that you never sort of settle into kind of a place where you stop improving. And that's true during this off season. So ideally in an off season, if you can spend some time with some other good people, 
I, I don't even care. Maybe you're just out hunting or maybe you're just doing a little, you know, thing on a Sunday afternoon because everybody has the time. But if you can go be with people and do work that keeps you mentally on the game and of course then keeps your dog mentally on the game. That's, that's uh, very, very useful. If you don't have that luxury, and a lot of people don't, they don't live where there's a bunch of people around them that know a lot of this stuff, then a lot of times there are places where you can get online. I, I offer this cautiously, um, but you can get online with some of the really, really top trainers that have stuff on there, and you don't always have to pay for all the stuff. And engage, watch people, watch competitions, watch dogs and people doing the things that you're interested in at a very high level. That in itself is a real good thing to do. There are online seminars, there are online uh, offerings where you can hear certain things, where you can, there's um, probably other podcasts where you can get good information. But if you can do that during the off season, that keeps you kind of in the game. It kind of keeps you where you need to be. Because one of the things that I've seen a lot when people come back at the beginning of, a, of the new season, you know, next, next early spring, late winter when they come back and they, you know, they've got this fancy dog and they're going to do all this stuff. And what they don't realize is what they no longer have in their muscle memory or what they no longer have just automatically in their behavior because they haven't been doing it. Then you watch them run a dog and you know they're moving around they're standing funny they're saying something over and over and over and they're unaware of it and so many people handle and do things with their dogs of which they're unaware if they aren't constantly on that improvement track trying to get a little bit better so keep that in mind you know either be with other people or if you have to use the online thing you know, go top, top shelf on that and try to keep yourself going on, on that level. One other thing that also is real important that I would, and I've been in your shoes a lot um, as an amateur and even as a pro spending so much time by myself, I've been in the, sh in the shoes. So it's off season, the days are short, the resources are limited, you can't do water unless you live down south, further south. You can't, there's a lot of things that you can't do. Um, it's really nice to look at what you've done this past year and what it is you want to do next year. That's actually real important. That, you know, next year I want to make the national or next year I want to get this title that I've been struggling to get or next year I just want to be good enough to enter an event. Or I just want to be able to train with my training group and run the things that their dogs are running. You need to have some goals like that. And then look at what you've been doing and what your dog's performances have been. And look for the, the spots that you need to shore up. Don't fall into the ego thing and your dog is like the greatest marking thing in the world. I'm talking retrievers now. So let's go run marks all winter because my dog is going to be better than everybody's. You know, that's, that's good for your ego. That isn't good for what your weak spots are. If your dog isn't particularly good, um, steady on, on uh, upland birds or your dog let's, on the pointing guys gets real close to the birds, likes to get up kind of nose to nose, eye to eye. Or, you know, or your dog doesn't, doesn't think hard enough going through the upland field. 
you know, can just go buy a couple birds because it's just so crazy wild. There's so many places where there's a, a weak spot, something that needs to be worked on and improved upon. And it could be, it could be on your handling. It could be on the marks. It could be on your dog's ability to focus. It could be on your dog's ability to be quiet. Uh, so many things to sit still. I, you know, I could go for 10 minutes here on a list of play, things that would be good to work on. Isolate one or two of your biggest weak spots and develop a plan through these short days where maybe you only have, you know, weekends or maybe you only have a little bit of time in the middle of the day when you can run home and do some things. And then hopefully the weekends where you can go or just in between hunting trips or after the day hunting and go spend 10 minutes before everybody goes to dinner to work on a few things. But pick out these isolated, isolated aspects and behaviors that you need to work on. And if you don't know how to approach, get some good help. You know, you could fling it onto a forum on the internet and get 8,000 answers, but hopefully you go somewhere where there's some good responses and people know what they're talking about or an individual that is, and then kind of get a plan for how you're going to do that. And yes, you can increase your dog's ability to focus. Yes, you can teach your dog to be quiet. Yes, they can learn to sit still. Yes, they can learn not to go on the gun. You can, there's all kind of drills you can do just to keep them. Gun means sit down. <laughs> or gun means don't go anyway. There's so many things you can do. This is an excellent time. Even if you are out hunting and you get, you're traveling and you're going skiing and you're doing all kinds of stuff, you still have five or 10 minutes in most days where you can take some of the weak spots of your dog and develop a nice thought out, slow, fundamentally based plan to take care of some of that stuff. And if you think your dog has no weaknesses, then ask someone else because they probably are a little more honest about things. And maybe uh, the other thing I'll throw out is maybe it's not the uh, dog. <laughs> That's the weakness. Maybe it's a handler that has some weaknesses. Maybe there's a place where you get a little bobbly or you don't always do the right thing or, you know, you're given casts that aren't highly visible or something. You move around too much. You don't move around enough. You don't know how to blow your whistle correctly, loud enough that it could be heard. So many things that perhaps you could work on yourself to improve as a handler so that you have, when you get to the season that starts again, you know, you're sharp. Not only sharp, you're a lot better than you were before. All of that is very feasible if you're willing to take the time to think about it and to work on it. That's, that's a real good thing to do. So I would say for off-season stuff, for the short winter, for times when you're hunting, there's a lot of things you can do to improve for next year. Do not drop your standard. I know so many people who, ha who have hunted, and I mean hunted with finished upland dogs who are steady to everything. They don't chase, right? They don't point one inch off of the wherever. The, you can't do that on wild birds anyway, unless they're stuck in the snow or something. Right? So, uh, so many people who have dogs at that level and they maintain that. Sometimes it's, you have to work a little bit. They maintain that while they're hunting. And if you can't, you know, if it's just you and your dog, be, be cautious. See if you can bring somebody else along to shoot for you. 
so you can operate your dog or somebody that can ensure that your dog remains in place instead of working going with you so keep your standard while you're hunting find ways to shore up either the weaknesses that your dog has even if they're very small and do it in a short order not like this weekend i'm going to fix the the noise problem work it out over the summer over the winter because when you have a problem if you go at it fundamentally from the very beginning step by step by step in kind of a slow continuous way you can actually solve the problem instead of sort of jam it down the dog's throat and stuff it out of the way but it's still going to be coming back so that's a good opportunity for that and maybe above all make sure that you um, have your own uh, issues that you're working on as well because we all do every one of us there's not anyone that doesn't and that's a real good opportunity for that so that's today's offering because i know that's where a lot of people are right now i have a different closet studio than i've had before i don't know how well this is going to turn out so i'm still a work in progress with all this changing this over um so bear with me if this is a somewhat imperfect i will get everything back to to a good place it's just my entire life has just totally changed and so there's a lot a lot of things to, to deal with especially as we're going into the holiday season so thanks for coming along with me everybody um what i would like to ask if any of you would like to uh respond to this particular thing is if there are some topics that i am missing if there's something that people you know i do get a lot of input and stuff but if there's something that i might be missing that people would be interested in um drop me a drop me a message somewhere i don't care it could be on facebook or it could be on uh um you know through this podcast or something but i would love to hear if there's something that that people would find useful that it doesn't always cross my mind i would be more than happy to look at that stuff so that's today's offering i'll be back now every week um i'll try not to tell too many in the park stories but <clears throat> i'm telling you people look at me and i know they want to kind of you know show me how dog stuff is supposed to be <laughs> it's supposed to be because mine wants to kill everything but i'll get i'll get that fixed here shortly so i uh, hope everybody had a good halloween thanksgiving coming one of the best uh best holidays of the year i hope everybody stays very safe in your hunting situations uh keep your dog safe keep you safe and i will be back uh, very soon